0: LETTER TWENTY-SEVEN OF LETTERS FROM EGYPT BY LADY LUCY DUFF GORDON READ FOR INTO THE PUBLIC DOMAIN TO SIR ALEXANDER DUFF GORDON TUESDAY, JANUARY fifth, 1864 We left Siout this afternoon. The captain had announced that we should start at ten o'clock, so I did not go into the town, but sent Omar to buy food and give my letter and best salaam to Wassef but the men of Darfur all went off declaring that they would stop, promising to cut off the captain's head if he went without them. Hassan Effendi, the Turk, was furious, and threatened to telegraph his complaints to Cairo if we did not go directly, and the poor captain was in a sad quandary. He appealed to me, peaceably sitting on the trunk of a palm-tree, with some poor fellaheen, of whom more anon. I uttered the longest sentence I could compose in Arabic, to the effect that he was captain, and that while on the boat we were all bound to obey him. Mashallah, One English harem is worth more than ten men for cents. These inglesi have only one word both for themselves and for other people. Dogri, dogri, right is right. This Amira is ready to obey like a mamluk, and when she has to command, whew! with a most expressive toss-back of the head." The bank was crowded with poor Fellaheen, who had been taken for soldiers, and sent to await the Pasha's arrival at Girga. Three weeks they lay there, and were then sent down to Suhaj. The Pasha wanted to see them himself and pick out the men he liked. Eight days more at Suhaj, then to Siut eight days more, and meanwhile Ishmael Pasha has gone back to Cairo, and the poor souls may wait indefinitely, for no one will venture to remind the Pasha of their trifling existence. Voila! Voila! While I was walking on the bank with Monsieur and Madame Mounier, a person came up and saluted them whose appearance puzzled me. Don't call me a Persian when I tell you it was an eccentric Bedouin young lady. She was eighteen or twenty at most, dressed like a young man, but small and feminine and rather pretty, except that one eye was blind. Her dress was handsome, and she had women's jewels, diamonds, etc., and a European watch and chain. Her manner was excellent, quite ungenert, and not the least impudent or swaggering, and I was told, indeed I could hear, that her language was beautiful, a thing much esteemed among Arabs. She is a virgin, and fond of travelling and of men's society, being very clever, so she has her dromedary and goes about quite alone. No one seemed surprised, no one stared, and when I asked if it was proper, our captain was surprised. Why not? If she does not wish to marry, she can go alone. If she does, she can marry. What harm? She is a virgin and free." She went to breakfast with the Meuniers on their boat. Madame Meunier is Egyptian-born, and both speak Arabic perfectly. And the young lady had many things to ask them, she said. She expressed her opinions freely as far as I could understand her. Madame Meunier had heard of her before, and said she was much respected and admired. Monsieur Mounier had heard that she was a spy of the Pasha's, but the people on board the boat here say that the truth was that she went before Sa'id Pasha herself to complain of some tyrannical mutter who ground and imprisoned the fellahin. A bold thing for a girl to do. To me she seems, anyhow, far the most curious thing I have yet seen. The weather is already much warmer. It is nine in the evening. We are steaming along, and I sit with the cabin window open. My cough is, of course, a great deal better. Inshallah. Above Kenna, about another one hundred and fifty miles, it will go away. To-day, for the first time, I pulled my cloak over my head in the sun. It was so stinging hot. Quite delicious. And it is the fifth of January. Pauverivois in the cold. Our captain was prisoner for three years at Moscow and at Bakshi-Serai, and declares he never saw the sun at all. Hard lines for an Egyptian. Do you remember the cigarettes you bought for me at Osborne? Well, I gave them to the old Turkish Effendi, who is dreadfully asthmatic, and he is enchanted. Of course five other people came to be cured directly. The rhubarb pills are a real comfort to travellers, for they can't do much harm and inspire great confidence. Luckily we left all the fleas behind in the fore cabin for the benefit of the poor old Turk, who, I hear, suffers severely. The divans were all brand new, and the fleas came in the cotton stuffing, for there are no live things of any sort in the rest of the boat. Girga, JANUARY 9, 1864. We have put in here for the night. To-day we took on board three convicts in chains, two bound for Fasgolo, one for calumny and perjury, and one for manslaughter. Hard labor for life in that climate will soon dispose of them. The third is a petty thief from Kenna, who has been a year in chains in the custom-house of Alexandria, and is now being taken back to be shown in his own place in his chains. The cause célèbre of this country would be curious reading. They do their crimes so differently to us. If I can get hold of any one who can relate a few cases well, I'll write them down. Omar has told me a few, but he may not know the details quite exactly." I made further inquiries about the Bedouin lady, who is older than she looks, for she has travelled constantly for ten years. She is rich and much respected, and received in all the best houses, where she sits with the men all day and sleeps in the harem. She has been in the interior of Africa and to Mecca, speaks Turkish, and M. Monnier says he found her extremely agreeable, full of interesting information about all the countries she had visited. As soon as I can, I must try and find her out. She likes the company of Europeans. Here is a contribution to folklore, new even to Lane, I think. When the coffee-seller lights his stove in the morning, he makes two cups of coffee, of the best, and nicely sugared, and pours them out all over the stove, saying, God bless or favor Sheikh and his descendants. The blessing on the saint who invented coffee, of course I knew, and often utter, but the libation is new to me. You see the ancient religion crops up even through the severe faith of Islam. If I could describe all the details of an Arab, and still more of a Coptic wedding, you would think I was relating the mysteries of Isis. At one house I saw the bride's father looking pale and anxious, and Omar said, I think he wants to hold his stomach with both hands till the women tell him if his daughter makes his face white. It was such a good phrase for the sinking at heart of anxiety. It certainly seems more reasonable that a woman's misconduct should blacken her father's face than her husband's. There are a good many things about Harim here which I am barbarian enough to think extremely good and rational. An old Turk of Cairo, who had been in Europe, was talking to an Englishman a short time ago, who politely chafed him about Mussulman license. The venerable Muslim replied, "'Pray, how many women have you, who are quite young, seen—that is the Eastern phrase—in your whole life?' "'The Englishman could not count. Of course not. Well, young man, I am old, and was married at twelve, and I have seen in all my life seven women. Four are dead, and three are happy and comfortable in my house. Where are all yours?' Hassanein Effendi heard the conversation, which passed in French, and was amused at the question. I find that the criminal convicted of calumny accused, together with twenty-nine others not in custody, the sheikh el-Belid of his place of murdering his servant, and produced a basketful of bones as proof. But the sheikh el-Belid produced the living man, and his detractor gets hard labor for life. The proceeding is characteristic of the childish ruses of this country. I inquired whether the thief who was dragged in chains through the streets would be able to find work and was told, Oh, certainly! is he not a poor man? For the sake of God, every one will be ready to help him. An absolute uncertainty of justice naturally leads to this result. Our captain was quite shocked to hear that in my country we did not like to employ a returned convict. Luxor, January thirteenth, 1864. We spent all the afternoon of Saturday at Kenna, where I dined with the English consul, a worthy old arab who also invited our captain and we all sat round his copper tray on the floor and ate with our fingers the captain who sat next to me picking out the best bits and feeding me and sally with them after dinner the french consul a copt one jesus buctor sent to invite me to a fantasia at his house where I found the Mouniers, the Mudder, and some other Turks, and a disagreeable Italian, who stared at me as if I had been young and pretty, and put Omar into a great fury. I was glad to see the dancing girls, but I liked old Said Achmet's patriarchal ways much better than the tone of the Frenchified Copt. At first I thought the dancing queer and dull. One girl was very handsome, but cold and uninteresting. One who sang was also very pretty and engaging, and a dear little thing. But the dancing was contortions, more or less graceful, very wonderful as gymnastic feats, and no more. But the captain called out to one Latifa, an ugly, clumsy-looking wench, to show the sit what she could do. And then it was revealed to me. The ugly girl started on her feet, and became the serpent of old Nile, the head, shoulders, and arms eagerly bent forward, waist in, and haunches advanced on the bent knees the posture of a cobra about to spring. I could not call it voluptuous any more than Racine's Phaedra. It is Venus toute entière à sa poire attachée, and to me seemed tragic. It is far more realistic than the Fandango, and far less coquettish, because the thing represented is au grand sérieuse, not travestied, gazet, or played with, and like all such things the Arab men don't think it the least improper. Of course the girls don't commit any indecorums before European women, except the dance itself. Said Achmet would have given me a fantasia, but he feared I might have men with me, and he had a great annoyance with two Englishmen who wanted to make the girls dance naked, which they objected to, and he had to turn them out of his house after hospitably entertaining them. Our procession home to the boat was very droll. Madame Meunier could not ride an Arab saddle, so I lent her mine and enfoiched my donkey, and away we went with men running with mashhals, fire-baskets on long poles, and lanterns, and the captain shouting out, full speed, and such English phrases all the way, like a regular old salt as he is. We got here last night, and this morning Mustafa Aga and the Nazir came down to conduct me up to my palace." "'I have such a big rambling house all over the top of the temple of Kem. "'How I wish I had you and the chicks to fill it! "'We had about twenty fellahs to clean the dust of three years' accumulation, "'and my room looks quite handsome, with carpets and a divan. "'Mustafa's little girl found her way here when she heard I was come, "'and it seemed quite pleasant to have her playing on the carpet with a dolly "'and some sugar-plums, and making a feast for dolly on a saucer, arranging the sugar-plums Arab fashion. She was monstrously pleased with Rainy's picture, and kissed it. Such a quiet, nice little brown tot, and curiously like Rainy and walnut-juice. The view all round my house is magnificent on every side, over the Nile in front facing northwest, and over a splendid range of green and distant orange buff hills to the southeast, where I have a spacious covered terrace. It is rough and dusty to the extreme, but it will be very pleasant. Mustafa came in just now to offer me the loan of a horse, and to ask me to go to the mosque in a few nights to see the illumination in honor of a great sheikh, a son of Sidi Hossein or Hassanein. I asked whether my presence might not offend any Mussulman, and he would not hear of such a thing. The sun set while he was here, and he asked if I objected to his praying in my presence, and went through his four recas very comfortably on my carpet. My next-door neighbor, across the courtyard all filled with antiquities, is a nice little copt who looks like an antique statue himself. I saw Voisinier with his family. He sent me coffee as soon as I arrived, and came to help. I am invited to El Montanay, a few hours up the river, to visit the Meuniers, and to Kenna to visit Said Ahmed and also the head of the merchants there who settled the price of a carpet for me in the bazaar, and seemed to like me. He was just one of those handsome, high-bred, elderly merchants with whom a story always begins in the Arabian Nights. When I can talk I will go and see a real Arab Harim. A very nice English couple, a man and his wife, gave me breakfast in their boat, and turned out to be a business connection of Ross's, of the name Aerosmith, They were going to Aswan, and I shall see them on their way back. I asked Mustafa about the Arab young lady, and he spoke very highly of her, and is to let me know if she comes here to offer hospitality for me. He did not know her name. She is called El Haga, the Pilgrimess. Thursday. Now I am settled in my Theban palace. It seems more and more beautiful, and I am quite melancholy that you cannot be here to enjoy it. The house is very large, and has good thick walls the comfort of which we feel to-day, for it blows a hurricane, but indoors it is not at all cold. I have glass windows and doors to some of the rooms. It is a lovely dwelling. Two funny little owls, as big as my fist, live in the wall under my window, and come up and peep in, walking on tiptoe, and looking inquisitive, like owls in the hieroglyphics, and a splendid Horus, the sacred hawk, frequents my lofty balcony. Another of my contemplar gods I sacrilegiously killed last night, a whip-snake. Omar is rather in consternation, for fear it should be the snake of the house, for Islam has not dethroned the et etutilaris. I have been sapping at the Alif Bay, A.B.C., to-day, under the direction of Sheikh Yusuf. A graceful, sweet-looking young man, with a dark brown face, and such fine manners in his fell dress, a coarse brown woolen shirt, a libda, or felt skull cap, and a common red shawl round his head and shoulders. Riding the wrong way is very hard work. Some men came to mend the staircase, which had fallen in and which consists of huge solid blocks of stone. One crushed his thumb, and I had to operate on it. It is extraordinary how these people bear pain, he never winced in the least, and went off thanking God and the lady quite cheerfully. Till today the weather has been quite heavenly. Last night I sat with my window open, it was so warm. If only I had you all here! How rainy would play in the temple, Maurice fish in the Nile, and you go about with your spectacles on your nose. I think you would discard Frangi dress, and take to a brown shirt, and a libda, and soon be as brown as any fella. It was so curious to see Sheikh Yusuf blush from shyness when he came in at first. It shows quite as much in the coffee-brown Arab skin as in the fairest European quite unlike the much lighter-coloured mulatto or malay, who never change colour at all. A photographer who is living here showed me photographs done high up the White Nile. One negro girl is so splendid that I must get him to do me a copy to send you. She is not perfect like the Nubians, but so superbly strong and majestic. If I can get hold of a handsome fellaha here, I'll get her photograph to show you in Europe what a woman's breast can be, for I never knew it before I came here. It is the most beautiful thing in the world. The dancing girl I saw moved her breasts by some extraordinary muscular effort, first one and then the other. They were just like pomegranates and gloriously independent of stays or any support. End of letter twenty seven. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information please visit libriVox.org.